We're in, this, we're in our study of uh, Peter. We're going to take uh, 20 minutes this morning, uh, and there we go. All right. I started a couple weeks ago uh, showing you this picture, uh, and I mentioned that in that message, uh, three words that change everything, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. The reason I use that picture is I talked about a dog following his master in a canoe, uh, and his eyes were just riveted on uh, that man as he was paddling. Uh, the dog wanted to be with his master. He wanted to be with, with, in this dog's mind, my master is my Lord. Uh, and the guy, I remember saying, I, I can't get rid of this, this thing. He follows me wherever I go. Uh, there he is in his canoe. Uh, and the thought, of course, was for us, if Jesus is Lord and our focus is on him, we just want to get close to him. We just want to be with him. Uh, and, you know, more than anything else, even in the past week, I remember I came home to, to Kimberly this week, and, and we're, we're talking about, you know, all the things that the Lord maybe would have us do and all these other things. But I, I said to her, in, in my prayers lately, uh, more than anything else, God is impressing on me this. Do you want to do a lot of things for me, or do you simply just want to be so close to me that as I am out and doing things, you are with me? You are with me. Because if Jesus is Lord and I want to be with him, then as the Lord goes about his business, I get to be the, uh, just like his disciples, right there as he accomplishes all these things, and then it includes me in what he's doing. And so Jesus is Lord. Peter is writing to these people that are being heavily persecuted by the emperor Nero. Uh, they're, 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 they're being hunted down. Their lives are even being taken. And Peter says, be thankful that Jesus uh, is your Lord. When Jesus is Lord, it changes our loyalty. My loyalty now begins with Jesus, and it ends with Jesus. And Peter writes that to these people in his first letter to them. Through Christ, you have come to trust God. You have placed your faith and hope in him, because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. Is your hope in Jesus Christ today? Jesus is alive. He is the Lord of, of, of all. He is seated at the right hand of God. He is coming again. And our loyalty is given to Jesus. And because our loyalty is given to Jesus, our identity is found in him as well. And we imitate him. And so Peter says, once you had no identity, now you are God's people. Once you wandered around wondering who you are uh, and, and what life is all about, I have given you an identity in my son. In the Lord Jesus Christ, we have an identity. We are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, now you have received mercy. You have this identity. You are my people, royal priests, a holy nation. You belong uh, to me. That's where we ended uh, two Sundays ago. Uh, today, what we're going into is, is the third point. The third point is this. When Jesus is Lord, it changes our behavior. It changes our behavior. Uh, because we demonstrate the values of the kingdom that we identify with. And when, when I keep my eyes like that dog following his master in the canoe, when I keep my eyes on Jesus, when I'm loyal to him, when I, my identity is in him, then my behavior begins to simply be like my master's behavior. Now, I'm not saying that my dog at home starts to imitate me, uh, although I, I will say this. Think about it. Uh, often people that have really aggressive animals are really aggressive people. And people that have very gentle animals tend to be very gentle people. I've kind of noticed that with people that, 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 that have uh, animals that walk around my neighborhood. Uh, and so, uh, again, as I demonstrate the values of the kingdom that I have an identity with, my passport says heaven on it, then I begin to behave as if I am a citizen of, of heaven. And Peter writes that. He says, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and pilgrims, you are pilgrims in this land, to keep away from the worldly desires that war against your very souls. Instead, be very careful to live properly 
among the people around you who do not believe, and then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will witness your good deeds, and they will give glory to God when he judges the world. And it is God's will that by doing these things, by acting in such a way, you will silence the ignorance of these foolish people that make accusations against you, but when they accuse you, they, they, they can't really back it up because there your good deeds are, witnessing that you are members of the kingdom of God and that Jesus is your Lord. Uh, that, it, it, uh, um, it really comes down to this. There is, there is really no greater way for people to see the transforming power of Jesus than to see the life of someone like you who has been transformed by him. Uh, and, and so it is in our everyday living that Jesus is made evident. And that really becomes the foundation of our, of, of our witness together. Uh, now, Peter goes on and then writes about that in the rest of his letter. And so we're going to take a few weeks and we're going to look at specific ways that this actually uh, comes out. Uh, and it, it looks a bit like this. If Jesus is Lord, we've already talked about his loyalty, uh, sorry, our loyalty and our identity being founded in him. Uh, and then we're going to look at these other ones. Today, we're going to look at government. Uh, if Jesus is Lord, if we really have been born again, if our citizenship is in heaven, if our loyalty is with Jesus, then we will act in a way uh, towards our government, that is our human governments on this earth, uh, that reflect that we are citizens of the kingdom of God. Uh, now, we're probably going into an election in the next couple of weeks, right? So this might be a good one to just jump right into. Uh, because after all, we, we live in a, in a, in a land where, where over the next probably six weeks, we're going to hear a lot about who's going to form government. Uh, it, they're expecting to call on that maybe this week. So you're going to hear a lot about this. You're going to turn on the news and you're going to follow these things. And then you're going to get out and you're going to cast your ballot and we're going to elect a government again probably sometime very soon. What does it mean to have Jesus as my Lord, my loyalty, my citizenship, my identity is in him, and I live on this earth with human government around me. What does that look like? Well, there's a number of things that we're going to look at today, but let's begin in 1 Peter 2, 13, where it says this. Notice, for the Lord's sake. For whose sake? Not yours. For the Lord's sake. That's extremely important. Submit to how much human authority? Oh, all, God? You want me to submit to all human authority? Look at that. It's right there. For the Lord's sake, submit to all human authority, whether the king is the head of the state or the officials he has appointed. For the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and to honor those who do right. Now, before you start saying, oh, yeah, but I mean, Peter, you know, his day was different. Who is the emperor in Rome right now when Peter's writing this? A man named Nero. And Nero is slaughtering Christians by the hundreds every day. He's hunting them down. He's trying to find them so he can kill them. I was reading a, a book. Maybe some of you read this book. It's called The Insanity of God. It's about a man that, uh, that uh, has given his life to the 1040 window and especially uh, predominantly Muslim nations. He was talking about going to Somaliland uh, years ago in the, in the 90s where there was, when he got there, maybe 150 Christians. And by the time he left, five years later, there were maybe 10 because the rest of them had been hunted down and slaughtered by the, uh, by the, the, the radical Muslim government of the day. Uh, and Peter is writing uh, in a similar way to the Christians in the first century, saying, for the Lord's sake, submit to all human authority. Now, what does that mean? I've got five questions here that I think will help us unpack that. And the first is this. Well, 
if we're saying that, God, really this government, what is the source of government? Paul writes about that, and it's quite helpful. The source of government, did you know this? The source of government is actually God. He is the source of government. He has created government for us. Uh, and no matter what government we have, it is God's uh, design that we, we as human beings, as, hu as, as, as humanity, we, we must be governed, we must be organized somehow together. And so that concept also comes from God. Romans chapter 13, Paul writes this, not Peter. He says, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. Here, very similar message. Let everyone be subject. For there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Now think about that, wherever you may come from. If you're Canadian, you're American, you're from somewhere else in the world, the authorities have been established by God has permitted the governments of today. He is the king of everything. These governments are temporal. They will not last. Established by God. Secondly, whoops, let's see if I can get that. Uh-oh. Technology. It just doesn't. There we go. Oh, back it up to two, please. Per no, one more. Can I go now? Okay, there I go. Okay, you guys fooling around back there on me? All right, what is my responsibility to my government? Let's try that. Your responsibility is to pray for those who govern over you. And Paul writes, and he says to Timothy, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings, and those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and in all holiness. Let me ask you today, are you praying for your government? Do you pray every day for those in authority over you? I trust that you do. It is absolutely vital that we pray for those in authority over us. I, I need to tell, I'm a bit of a political guy. I, I, I love reading about politics. I'm, I'm not running for politics, but I read about them. I followed them for, for almost my entire life. My mom said that when I was eight years old, in the late 60s, I watched some political convention all day on television. She couldn't believe it. He's eight years old, and he's watching this. For some reason, it just stirred my mind. And I've kind of followed it ever since. Do I pray as much as I complain? That might be a good way. Every time you complain about the government, you should probably then pray for the government. Okay? Are you praying for the government? It's our responsibility to do that. And how do we do that? Well, we pray for those who govern us. We pay taxes. Oh, now. Now you're, okay. Really? Yes. Paul writes that as well. And, and Jesus said, render to Caesar that which is Caesar's. Render to God that which is God's. And so from going from easy to hard, because there are three points under this one. The first one, praying. Well, that's not too hard. Paying taxes. Really? How many of you like paying taxes? Let me ask again. How many of you like paying taxes? Do you know what? Actually, most of your taxes actually go to create a fine country, don't they? Yeah, we can always go, oh, they're wasting here, they're wasting there. Sure. I mean, I believe we all agree that there's a wasting here and there. But as we pay taxes, we live in this incredibly rich country where the taxes go to, to give us so much. We are an incredibly blessed people. And so when the government asks us for taxes, we pay them and we support the government. And, and as Christians, we should, we, should be, we should absolutely be doing that. I think God honors people who pay their, their taxes. Romans 13, this also is why you pay taxes. For the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Wow. When's the last time you thought about someone uh, as you've gone to, to do something in, in, in the government that they are actually God's servant? 
working full time to serve you. Wouldn't that be amazing if, if every Christian who walked into some kind of a federal or provincial office or a municipal office walked in and just said, hey, I just want to thank you so much for serving me the way you do. Uh, I bet you it would transform their day. I bet you so many people I know who work in government offices and other offices too don't receive encouragement. They often receive criticism. Uh, give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then then respect, if honor, uh, then honor. There's a, a wonderful story. I think Nicky Gumbel tells it. He says this, uh, a man who uh, was a long ways from God became a Christian, and he, was, he began to be uh, um, conscience-stricken because he hadn't paid his taxes, and he'd been getting away with it for years. So he wrote a check out for $5,000, and he gave it, uh, put it in an envelope, and he said, uh, Dear uh, whoever this gets to, uh, I have become a Christian, and I haven't been paying my taxes for years, so I'm sending you $5,000. P.S. If I continue to feel guilty, I'll send you the rest. All right? Uh, if you owe taxes, you might have to get up today and go pay your taxes. But pay taxes. That's the second heart. What's, the, what's, what's the, uh, the hardest of these? To respect those who hold office. Sometimes it's hard to respect those, isn't it? Sometimes we look at the lives of, of those who are governing over us and we go, really? But remember, uh, most of them are probably not Christian people. They, they, they do not have your values. They need to know the Lord. And so as we pray for them, as we support them, and as we do as much as we can to respect them, and by the way, someone put it best this way, you, you can respect what is respectable. You can honor what is honorable. It's not that we have to honor what is dishonorable. We pray for what is dishonorable that that will change. But as much as possible, we respect those who give their lives in public service. And Peter says, for the Lord's sake, do this. Fear God. Respect the king. Can you imagine these people in the, in the first century respect Caesar? But, but Peter, he's hunting me down. He wants to kill me. Respect Caesar. Wow. I submit to those who govern me for the Lord's sake, remembering that though Caesar is king, who is Lord? Remember the dog in the, following the canoe? Who is Lord? Oh, I can't hear you. Who's the Lord? Jesus is Lord. Yeah, Jesus is Lord. He's Lord. Fourthly, okay, so when can I disobey my government? Come on, there's got to be a time. Actually, there is. This is where it is. Only when the law of government and the law of God contradict. That's when we disobey government. Not when we feel like it. Not when we want to. But when the law of the government directly contradicts the law of God. And when we do then, and we say, I'm sorry, I can't obey that law because it, it is simply against what God would have me do, we accept the consequences, demonstrating respect and godliness. And can I just step up here for a minute and say, it's absolutely vital that we get this right. Because there's a lot of noise out there from, I believe, Christian people who simply don't want to obey the government, and yet it doesn't really have to do with what the Bible clearly says. They just don't want to obey this because that's what they don't want to do. And they make a big fuss about it. And sometimes, I, I have to be honest, sometimes as a Christian, I'm embarrassed by that. I'm embarrassed by someone who stands up and says, I'm not going to do that. I'm a Christian and you can't make me do that. And if I go to the pages of Scripture, there's nothing in Scripture that would back up their argument. They just want to be obstinate and stubborn and they want to disobey. On the other side, there are times when if the church does not contradict the government, our witness is destroyed. Let me give you an example. 
residential schools. Think about that. Uh, I was on the walk on Monday. It was a wonderful walk. There were three and a half, four thousand people who just quietly walked through Shemanus. Uh, but where in the scriptures does it possibly say uh, that in order to bring people to Christ and to win the world for Jesus, you take children out of their homes, put them in a quasi-orphanage, and, 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 and educate them uh, while, they, while they, they, they are not with their... There, there's nothing in scripture you can read that would say that's how you love people. It's just not there. And so when the church climbs into bed with the government, when Christians climb into bed with something that is clearly not biblical, our witness is destroyed. And we're, we're paying for that now. No matter how it was rationalized years ago, I can't, I mean, I would argue you till, till it gets dark tonight that if you pick up the scriptures and you read the Gospels of Jesus where he says, love people, love your neighbor as yourself, be a servant of all, and, 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 and we take the gospel to the nations, that that could possibly be rationalized using the pages of scripture clearly. It, it just isn't there. And so as we look at what has happened even in our nation, whenever the church in any nation for any reason climbs into bed with the government and begins to, to, to follow what the government wants to do at the cost of what God says, this is how I want you to live, the church loses its witness. It just does. Whether individually you do that or whether collectively we do that. And so when we disobey the government, it has to be very, very clear. Uh, in Acts 5, it is clear. The apostles are told, you cannot speak about Jesus anymore. You cannot teach this man's name. You're, you're, you're making us responsible for his death. Well, they were responsible for his death. I mean, we all were. But in, in the direct point there, they're saying, you are, you know, you're, you're, the, the blood of this man is on us. And Peter and the apostles said, we have to obey God. We cannot stop speaking about Jesus Christ. It's clear there. It's clear there, but, and we're going to get to this, then they said, whatever consequences you need to bring to us, we will accept those consequences. But we cannot stop speaking about our Lord, because Jesus is Lord. So, last question, and then we're done. How do I disobey my government? How do I disobey? We're fortunate in this nation in the sense that we can, we can, we can easily uh, argue against the government. We can actually go to a rally that would say we actually don't want to do this. We can, we can do those kind of things. But um, it's one thing to go to a rally. It's one thing to, uh, to oppose within a democracy and to try to bring another governing party in that, that has the values that we may like. That is not actually disobeying. That is having a difference of opinion within democracy, and then we're working at creating uh, uh, another government that may be the government that we want. That's not what I'm saying. You do that within the laws of the nation. What happens when you actually step outside of the law and you are now breaking the law? You are now breaking the law and going against government. How do we do that? We use the weapons of the kingdom of God. And Paul, uh, he writes this, and I'm very thankful for these words. He says, we are human. Well, we are, aren't we? Are you human? I, I hope so. Uh, am I human? Well, you've already seen this morning how human I am, bumbling around up here. All right. Uh, we don't wage war, though, as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. 
We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. Now, he still hasn't got really specific. What does he mean by that? Two things I want to leave you with. How do we disobey government? We use the weapons of the kingdom of God. The first one is this, the Bible, God's word. If you don't know the pages of scripture, if you don't know what the word of God says, especially the gospels, then how can you possibly know? How can you possibly be in a position where you say, I'm sorry, I just cannot obey that law. I cannot do that. We have to know the Bible, God's word. Take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And, and prior to that, Paul writes, our, our struggle is not against this world. It is against the authorities and the principalities and the powers of wickedness in the heavenly places. That's what we're up against. It is a cosmic struggle. And as people who are followers of Jesus Christ, whose citizenship is in heaven, the cosmic struggle is between the kingdom of God and this broken earth that he has already initiated the overthrow of and will one day finish with. And in that meantime, in that intermediate period, we are God's people proclaiming the gospel here on earth, demonstrating to the world what it looks like to live under the authority of Jesus Christ. And so as we do that, we have to know who our Lord is and what he says and, and what he stands for. And so the Bible, God's word to me, we use that. And secondly, and probably just as important, well, probably more important, to be honest, is we use prayer. The Bible is God's word to me. Prayer, those are our words to God. It's our conversation with him. Notice what it says here. Uh, this is after they had told them to be quiet. They said, we can't obey your, your, your law, we will keep talking about Jesus Christ. When they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God, and they said, O oh Lord, hear their threats, and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May many miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. That was their prayer. And notice what happened. After this prayer, the meeting place shook, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they preached the word of God with boldness. Do you see what happened there? They didn't go out and overthrow the government and put in some new uh, theocracy. They lived under the persecution. They asked for even greater faith and more spiritual power, and then they preached the word of God with boldness. And the Bible says that hundreds and hundreds more people came to the Lord. The kingdom continued to expand. And if you know anything about the, the, the history of the early church, uh, the early church started with maybe 75 to 100 people on the day of Pentecost, and by the year 300 A.D., there were 20 million Christians in the Roman Empire. And they never had power. They never had the government's blessing. In fact, they were hunted down for many, many years. Most of the time the church existed, they were persecuted greatly. And they were killed for their faith. And they overthrew Rome in a spiritual sense because... That's what happens when God uses his enormous supernatural spiritual power on this world through his people who say this, Jesus is Lord. He is my identity. He's my loyalty. And so therefore, I will live understanding that I'm a pilgrim on the way. I may have a Canadian passport today, but that's just the passport I have as a pilgrim on this earth. I am actually a citizen of heaven. And so therefore, I will act, I will behave, and I will proclaim my citizenship in Jesus Christ. All right. Government. Our loyalty is to the Lord. It's wonderful to be Canadian. I, I, I'm very thankful to be Canadian. Uh, in, in, in many ways, uh, I think that we are the most blessed people on earth today to, to, be, to be living here in this time. 
But folks, we need to pray and we need to act and we need to go forward in the power of Jesus so that this nation that is, that is um, increasingly turning its back against God will turn and will see the love of God and the call of God. And we will find him in increasing numbers again. And no matter what happens, uh, Canada will never be a Christian nation, but it will be a nation with millions of Christians who live within it. And that is our mission, to proclaim the gospel to all people. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you that you have given us the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you that he died to set us free. Thank you that we are people who have received complete freedom. We have freedom from sin. We have freedom from death. We have freedom to follow you with our lives. And Lord, uh, we live in a nation where following you is so easy that we sometimes get lazy. And Lord, we pray that, that you would give us uh, a sound mind, Lord, and you would give us disciplined lives and that we would follow you, Lord, with great joy, keeping our eyes on you, Lord Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, that our identity would be so found in you that, that, that no matter what happens in this nation today, tomorrow, and forever, that, God, we would know that we are only pilgrims here for a while. And that, that, Lord, you have placed us here and you have given us a mission to live under your authority in such a way that if people know, uh, if, whether people know you or not, that, uh, Father, they would, they would see that we do and that they would follow you. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your lordship. We pray your blessing uh, as we go. And, Lord, that you would, um, you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.